0: Good morning, Wisconsin. It's WTMJ Now. News, opinions, Wisconsin. Everything you need to know in the Badger State and beyond. Come give us your thoughts on the Old National Bank talk and text line at 855-616-1620. Old National Bank. Get old. Now here's your host, Sandy Max and Steve Scafidi. Oh, indeed, Friday, the political power hour, Bill McCosh, Republican strategist, Joseph the Democratic side, Sandy Max, Steve Scafiddi, all in the same place, Whee! same time. I just got back from Italy. I'm Welcome back. Are, are you sir? starting with?
1: Bongiorno. Bongiorno. Yeah, you I didn't did get it. Belt went out for him. him. Yeah, Bongiorno.
0: <laughs> I did a couple of those <laughs> this we week. There yeah. <laughs> I still got it in me. I'm still celebrating that fantastic trip, but I missed you guys. Missed you too. I'm yeah. surprised you came back to it. <laughs>
2: State of stay news. To the news, well, honestly. Gone.
0: And cow. for all the listeners out there, Sandy made cookies for everybody, so we got shit. that going for us. Feel very good. special I w-
1: breakfast, of champions. Yeah. There you <laughs> go. Bite-sized chocolate chip cookies uh, are good for a Friday. <laughs>
0: Nestle's Toll House cookies, right? Is that the?
1: Uh, yes, I yeah. do have to confess, and I will also <laughs> say that the man of the house, Mike. Did most of the baking. <laughs> no. I did. I did the laying out and kid. the putting in, and he's a much better uh, monitor. I gotta tell you, like, but I our, tried.
2: In our family, it's Auntie Pat who makes the famous cookies. She took that over from her mom, and you just like these are so incredible. What's the secret ingredient? Is it the oven she uses, or the pan, or is it the love? And then she, when you corner her, she'll admit. Oh, it's the Toll House <laughs> yeah, yeah. <recipe. laughs> sugar, basically. Well, whatever you're doing, don't change sugar. It, it. Don't Pat, change it. Love you if you're yeah. listening.
0: All right, gentlemen, where to start? So we've got a race for president that's kind of underway. We have no votes been cast yet, but polling like crazy. I've been very demonstrative about my appreciation for the campaign of Nikki Haley. I, we talked about it when the debate oh,
2: happened. I, I thought you were a
0: DeSantis guy too. No, 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 no. Oh, you lumped oh, me oh, that's into that. Yesterday's
2: group. news. That's, that's right. Right. I
0: was never a DeSantis person. I, I like Ron DeSantis as a governor. I don't think he's quite ready for prime time for president, but that's really why you're here, because you're going you're gonna to frame this from the perspective of two guys, really smart guys, who look at politics every day, digest it, and then explain it in common-sense terms for all the rest of us. So, Bill McCaution, where are we at, Republican side? We'll get to the Joe Biden questions in a bit.
1: Debate number two coming up at uh, the Reagan Library next Wednesday night. Uh, we will have the final list of who qualified, I believe, today, but they might give them till Monday. It appears there will be fewer than the eight that were on the stage in Milwaukee Four six Four to six guys like Doug, uh, Burgum, the governor of South Dakota have not yet qualified, which is why he's running national television ads to get his polling numbers up. Uh, there are others as well. Former Congressman heard is also running ads now, which seems sort of unbelievable to me. He didn't qualify for the first debate. I will say today, I'll say next Friday, um, this should be the last debate with more than three people on the stage, and one of those three needs to be Donald Trump going forward uh, because I think Republicans need to uh, to test him on some of the things that didn't go so well in his administration and give Republicans a true choice. If it's three, play it out. Who's the other two? I think it's going to be DeSantis and Haley. I think Haley has had the best sustained uh, bump since the last debate in Milwaukee on uh, August 23rd her campaign is uh, hitting on all cylinders at this point in time. She's viewed as a credible alternative to Trump. Uh, DeSantis has struggled since June, uh, but he's still in the game, right? I think he's still credible in part because of his record, in part because of the amount of money that his super PAC has. Um, you know, and he's he's got an apparatus out there. So I, I, I think it's really only three candidates. And after next Wednesday, I hope every other candidate drops out. And I'm happy to walk through today why I think none of them can get the nomination. Joe. Denial is not just a river uh, river in Egypt, apparently.
2: I, like, God love you guys. I know you want it down to a couple. But wh- on what planet do you think that's going to happen? Donald Trump's lead is bigger today than it was going into the last debate. And so the like incentive structure for these candidates, be they Vivek Ramaswamy or Chris Christie, Or Asa Hutchinson or any of these other folks who you're arguing should step aside so it can be a smaller field. I'm like, I get why you want that from a math perspective. But what has changed in the dynamic that makes it any more likely tomorrow or next week than a month ago?
1: I think the change is the setup of the race. This is the first time in history we have an incumbent running for, uh, you know, essentially his old seat. We've never seen this in the history of the United States. That, that changes the timetable on this race. If this was an open seat, these guys could stay in until South Carolina, and and that's historically what happens. But now there's an incumbent who's got 100% name ID. He's got 55 60% in some national polls, higher or lower in certain states, including Wisconsin, where he's far lower than that, but... The the timetable has changed. This is gonna, this is so accelerated that guys that are at one percent, even Vivek Ramaswamy, who may be at six percent in some polls, maybe eight in others, there's no lane for him. He's in the same lane as Trump, which is the outsider lane, the business guy lane. So there's no place for him to fill and win the primary. We
0: got to take a break, but we're going to stay on this because I i will answer your question because I, I think there's a big reason. And and wanting something is not necessarily a bad thing when it comes to politics. We no, should I, we I should disagree, express yeah. that desire. Because as a Republican, I want somebody I can vote for. But that's a tease about what I'm going to talk about when we get back. Joseph Pecky, Bill McCausch, and Sandy Max, Steve, Political Power Hour, the best hour of politics in the state of Wisconsin. I'm going to go national pretty soon. Um, we'll see how I feel after the break. After this. Uh, we're joined in the studio by Joseph Pecky, Democratic strategist, Bill McCausch. On the Republican side of things, Joe asked the question, you know, you're, you're asked, you're pretending that we shouldn't have wants or desires. No, no, as... no.
2: Don't misunderstand. Say it again. Say it. Ask it again. My, my, my question, if I didn't ask it correctly, here's what it is. What is your level of confidence that these candidates share your way of thinking and are actually going to do this? Because, Right? Because what we're here to do is be level with the people of Wisconsin. I understand that those of you in your party who who understand it's time to move on from Trump, want this to happen. What I'm asking is, in the from the Point of view of those other candidates who are not Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley. What's their incentive, and are you confident that they see it the way you do? Like well, what's it's, changed it's always regard?
0: guesswork, right? I'm confident they they can see the writing on the wall and they can realize at some point that Donald Trump is unelectable. Now, I I gave you both this example on text the other day, or maybe yeah, yesterday. Um, I've been in a lot of events lately, the public events before my trip and after, and. I hear from a lot of conservatives, diehard conservatives, who don't want to vote for Donald Trump and maybe won't. So there's only two choices there: you you stay away, or you don't vote in the presidential race, which would be crazy because you can still write in, or you find a candidate who can actually beat Joe Biden. And I'll say it over again because I said it yesterday: Nikki Haley's the candidate. So yeah, that's a wants by me. I'm hoping that smarter people, smarter heads prevail. And I'll let Bill answer the same question. This is what we got. And I also throw this in. I hear from a lot of Democratic women through the text line, through email, who say they saw Nikki Haley's performance at a debate here in Milwaukee, and they liked it. And you talk about those fringe voters who jump back and forth, those independents. That's why a
1: Nikki Haley candidacy makes sense to me. So two weeks ago, I called in from Sand Valley Golf Course. By the way, if you haven't played it, it. Falls, perfect time to get up there. Hey, no free ads. <laughs> Not sponsored yet. <laughs> we sat, I sat around the campfire with seven other Thompson alums, Tommy Thompson alums, who are really smart guys, all of whom played a significant role in creating the modern conservative party here in the state of Wisconsin, uh, which created huge majorities uh, and, and super big wins for Tommy Thompson. There wasn't one of them in that group that was a Trumper or leaning Trumper, and they all live in different states now, and Uh, There are a significant number of people on the Republican side and Rasmussen had a poll out this week. If you follow me on Twitter, I retweeted it. About a third of the people now are considering a third party candidate if Donald Trump and Joe Biden are the nominees just for context. Ross Perot got the most ever as a third party candidate. He got nineteen percent. He would have
0: so, got more if he wouldn't have fumbled his way to the, to yeah, the actual right. election. But. Oh, bless so, Scott, bless so Stockdale. A, a Third of voters <laughs> now are
1: would be open to an alternative. That that's the path we are on right now. So and the No Labels Party has a chance. It depends on who they nominate. I think they do have a chance. To, if if the if the Democrats and the Republicans are hell bent on nominating Biden and uh, Trump, then you know anything could happen. Interesting. It's fatiguing.
0: I, I I still think there is a, a moment that Republicans need to have, and you, you're around it a lot more than I am, Bill. I, I see it, I hear it, I certainly get it on the show, that there's this uh, come-to-Jesus moment that has to happen, because I believe with every fiber of my being that Donald Trump
2: is not electable against Joe Biden or against Joe Biden. Can, can we just, hmm. for one second, move on from the electability part and remind listeners and people who maybe are still supporting Trump of... The myriad reasons that this gentleman has no business serving in elected office again. There's a new story out this week in the Atlantic. It's a profile of chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Mark Milley, who shares a story that we've heard before, but not with this level of specificity. When Mark Milley was sworn in as the Joint Chiefs, he invited a wounded veteran who did five tours in Afghanistan and lost a limb in an IED attack Sing God Bless America. That was Mark Milley's choice. Former President Trump was there. And when it was done, he approached Milley and said, quote, Why do you bring people like that here? No one wants to see that. The wounded. Never let Avila appear in public again, Trump told Milley. This isn't about electability. It's about Donald Trump has no business anywhere near a position of public trust ever again i just want to throw that in i hear that but yet we have this mass of people in this country who still want to vote for him still support him Maybe you can't be reminded them of stuff like that as opposed to playing the who's up who's down in the polls Look. game more often they would move off
0: of you him. want to find a talk to a host in that goes after trump more than me you're welcome <laughs> go ahead find one so i understand that but i'm not going to ignore this I, many friends and my family members will vote for donald trump if he's the candidate I understand that, so I can't ignore that reality. So what do we do about it, Bill?
1: So we as partisans have to force these other candidates out sooner than later, right? If you don't qualify, if you didn't qualify for Milwaukee, you're already done. If you don't qualify for Simi Valley next Wednesday night, your your campaign is over. Uh, and, And there's no point in continuing, and a guy like Chris Christie, who had some good moments in Milwaukee. If he qualifies for next week, you know, he's likely will have some good moments in Simi Valley. He has no path. His whole path is a one state strategy of New Hampshire. And by the way, Nikki Haley has surpassed him in the state of New Hampshire as of the most recent polling. So there, I I like Chris Christie. I would have supported him in 2012. I, You know, I think his, his window passed. Politics is all about timing. But Republicans as a group have to say enough is enough. We are on a different timetable here, a much faster one. If we want a credible alternative, we got to shrink this field.
0: Bill McCosh and Joseph Pecky, we'll take a break. We're going to shift it to Wisconsin politics. Lots of things we can talk about here. I got into it today with somebody on Twitter about some of this stuff. Driving me nuts on a Friday, but we always have fun (laughs) together. Sandy, Steve, Joe, Bill, the Political Power Hour right here in WTMJ, now. Oh, yeah. Happy birthday, Jones. Yeah, right? One of the biggest Green Bay Packers fans on the planet. One of those random Packers fans, like uh, Jodie Foster, actress. She's a Packers fan. Just random people are. low-wired. Right? Yeah. Of course. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Sucks to be a Bears fan now, doesn't it? (laughs) I had to throw that in. Yeah. Meltdown. Justin
1: Fields. Maybe they should have kept that first pick.
0: Maybe they should have. Maybe they get the first round pick, first draft pick next year, by not winning any games this year. All right. Enough sports. On this political power hour. All right, so let's shift what, the back we, to Wisconsin. We can't stick on something we agree on? <laughs> we agree on more than probably most uh, diverse political gatherings, so that's a good thing. Does that make us a uniparty? I don't know. <laughs> Bill, I spent uh, almost two weeks drinking wine in Italy. My head is not; it's still a bit foggy, but I'll 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 push through. Uh, Big GOP proposal for brewers. I know Joe hates any idea of public money, but a big ask for Milwaukee County, City of Milwaukee. Um, Some questions about the brewers' intent. Maybe too much in love with tailgating, not enough in love with economic development around the stadium. Let's get your thoughts on that.
1: So here's what I would tell you. And you're there was almost a chapter in Tommy Thompson's final book, uh, if it is his final book, about Bud Selig and the Brewers Stadium deal back in '94, '95. Uh, if if I were as a staffer at that time, I can tell you Tommy Thompson's greatest regret was not making sure that Miller Park was downtown Milwaukee rather than out in the in the you know the valley. I think Cavalier Johnson is right that they ought to consider a beer district in that area. It is proved to be remarkably successful for the Pfizer Forum and the Deer District. There's all kinds of things to do. It's a lot of fun. You know, there's multiple revenue sources. I think the the missing piece of this, and by the way, what the speaker did, uh, I don't think will be the final package that gets passed and signed by Governor Evers, but it's Probably pretty close. I think this, the tenants are probably pretty close, but I think the Brewers ought to be much more open-minded to creating a beer district than having other development there. For and sure. so far,
0: though, their answer has been, "What about the tailgaters? Like, we don't need another endless barrage of complaints that you're going to take away a drinking opportunity for Wisconsinites." <laughs> it's my my goodness.
2: Is that <laughs> the only thing we focus <whatever on? Whatever would we drink? I, listen, I've been to packed houses. You know, Game Seven of the NLCS a few, a few years back. There's more than enough parking. Just mathematically, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. there is more than enough parking, and there are other, you know, there's some vacant Twice as spaces. much as Lambeau Field right. for half as many stands. Three times yeah, as much. It, I think so, it's
1: 4,000 spaces yeah, at Lambeau. They, they got to
2: do that. On that, we can agree. There needs to be more economic development around the stadium. No question. And the Brewers have to be a partner in that.
0: So who's, who's going to take the lead? If it's not uh, the Robin Voss proposal, Republican proposal, what does it look like in the end? I, one of the things I loved in this plan, we, we can talk about this as well, make this a year-round
1: venue. Yeah, and, and that's relatively cheap, $25 million Yeah, that's a bargain. Thing. I think so, too. Um, it, ultimately, we have divided government, so they are going to have to get an agreement with the governor. They're going to have to get an agreement with the state senate, even though they're of the same party. They don't always agree on, on, on items, so... Uh, I'm hopeful that they keep the Brewers. I think it's important for Wisconsin to be a major league city and state here in Milwaukee, and, and uh, it's good for the state. They're certainly doing well on the field. I mean, today they may clinch yet their mm-hmm. second NL Central in the last three years, and I think their fifth in the last ten. I mean, it's, Coach of the year, Craig Council. He better get it this year. It, it, yeah, and, they, and by the way, the Brewers have got to stop jacking him around and, and <laughs> yeah. sign him to a long-term deal. Before they lose him. Uh, yeah. And...
2: Within the deal itself or what was proposed by Speaker of Austin, as Bill is rightly pointing out, like this is essentially a bargaining position because there's other parties who are going to have a say in this. But it is just not reasonable to say that Milwaukee has to bear all of this from the local angle. Regional is at minimum the way to do this. If we are a major league city, we are a major league state. There's been a lot of discussion about The millions of dollars in state income tax revenue, this is a statewide benefit. You can't just say, Milwaukee County, you're the only ones on the hook if there's going to be public money.
1: And aside from the financial proposal, I found it interesting that they want to change the board. So now you've got proposing that the city and the county are part investing in this, but you want to change the board to remove their representation and only have nine members. I didn't see that piece. Mm -hmm. But if they're... Kicking in money, they ought to have a seat at the table yeah, for sure. And, and, and I just, again, I, my, I've i made my position clear on this. I hate this game
2: everywhere. But just for some context, Mr. Atanasio bought the Brewers for $223 million in 2005. Do any of you know what they're valued at today? I think a billion and a half, right? $1.6 billion. Mm-hmm. So this notion that we're going to hold a community or a state hostage by sports owners, I understand they do this all over the country. It is not unique to this situation, but it is infuriating, and
1: somewhere we have to draw the line. I'm sick. Well, of it. except for taxpayers own that stadium, right? The Brewers don't own yeah. that stadium. We are we are the landlord. Are we going to get the 1.4 billion dollar? Well, profit we're going to we get the winter the? revenue. <laughs> one you of know the that's always thrown
0: around, but we're going to we reap benefits from the Brewers yeah, being yeah, here, of course, we for sure. Which probably at the end of the day are, are over time much more than that number, right?
2: Economic opportunities. If we actually have economic development around that stadium, that would be also ripe. Wait, now Republicans think we should use taxpayer money and the government to, like, promote private business and benefit the community? I'm sorry, I thought you guys were Republicans.
1: In a case-by-case basis, I think anyone with a brain can find the right things to support. But the notion that this will be regional, I think, is is uh, fantasy, right? We all know what happened to George P. Tack on the regional tax back in 1996. He was recalled. Even if it's not five but counties, the, the you got to go two or three. Is the, the minority leader in the state assembly, who's from her scene, is the one pushing for a regional you know, payment here. At, at, Maybe she missed history on this. Come one. on, Waukesha. Pump me up. <laughs> Taking our water. Paul Farrow
2: online, too. All right. So let's uh,
0: let's table that one just real quickly before the break because I, I want to get to the next break quickly here. Um, Cavalier Johnson running for mayor again. Anybody getting in his way?
1: No chance. He's done a phenomenal job. Uh, I don't agree with everything he stands for so far, but he, uh, listen, he is moving the city forward. He's a breath of fresh air. He's found a way to create relationships in Madison that hadn't existed for 40 years. And uh, I think he wins easily. As long as the McCashan endorsement is not the kiss of death. <laughs> right?
0: right. Yeah. Other than that, He'll be texting be me saying, stop. What does the stop. Democrats
2: in the room say? What do you
0: say about Kevlar? The same.
2: They, he, this is, he's done a great job. He deserves to be rehired. I do not anticipate a tough challenge. And save, he's active save and,
1: and likable. Yeah, no question. He's visible. He's a good guy. I, I invited him to be on the show thing. this week,
0: and he didn't, he didn't uh, take me up on it. So. Really? We'll see how good he is next week. <laughs> All right. Bill <laughs> McCaskey, Joseph Becky, Sandy, <laughs> Steve. Another break here. We, lots of other things to cover. There's always some hijinks in Wisconsin. Everybody up, upset about something, playing political games. We'll discuss after this on WTMJ Now. Some days I read the text line, the old National Bank talking text line, i I shake my head. And I swear to God, it's out loud because I I feel like my brain is rattling around. Listen better, be smarter. That's always my advice for anything you do on a daily basis. All right, so um, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this, but the Senate race, (laughs) we know Tammy Baldwin's running because she's very popular and she wins
2: big every time she runs. For Republicans, there seems to be... Did you guys see who's uh, on stage with the chair of the Republican Party tonight? No. Former Sheriff David Clark.
1: Getting uh, real. Our chairman of the yeah. party? Yeah. Really? So, mm. Milwaukee Journal Sentinel has a story today that Eric Covde has uh, sold $4.3 million in stock, in one of the companies he's invested in... and. Um, Maybe getting closer to uh, announcing a bid for Senate against Tammy Baldwin. We have two candidates in now. I couldn't name either one. One's from Stevens Point and one's from Tremplow County. I do know that's that. That's progress. You didn't know that a couple <laughs> weeks ago. I, I, I do know that.
0: I also know, uh, clarify that he said in the piece that those two, the sale the sell of stock is not related to a campaign.
1: Yeah. I, so if he comes back on that, that's a lie if, he's, if he actually runs, Well in my opinion. He, he may be creating liquid liquid assets that he can use for his campaign. He's done it
2: before. I'll just add real quick and then finish. uh, What I saw about Hovde that made me go, maybe he's not as eager to do this as people thought, is his company in California is promoting appearances by him in California in November. If you're getting ready to run for Senate in Wisconsin, that's the kind of stuff that you take a pass on. So word of caution. I don't know that California man Eric Hovde is moving back to run for this.
1: We'll see. Uh, You know, he's got major. uh, He's got a bank in California. Uh, He's got multiple real estate companies here in the state of Wisconsin. He's a national businessman who's done extraordinarily well. Huge potential as a soap opera actor too, as well. (laughs) He does his own commercials, which are very popular. And he could be on Young and the Restless tomorrow. I guarantee that he's got the looks for it. Good-looking guy, articulate Uh guy, and uh, he knows the economy inside and out. So. Uh, I, there's definitely a path for him, uh, whether David Clark gets in the race or not, he would have to do it on a shoestring. I can't see him being a big fundraiser nationally, um, or, or even statewide for that matter. So we'll, we'll see how that turns. He, he would be the most bombastic he would in be the a race, chaos agent. He would uh, be out there every day running as much against uh, Mitch McConnell as he would. And against there's a market for that.
2: There right? is. I
0: yeah. don't know that that market Certainly is here in Wisconsin. To primary. Yeah. yeah. So I had this debate this morning on on politics of Wisconsin, and I I threw out a a silly thing about um, I agree with Tammy Baldwin on something. You know, that's the end of the world if you're a Republican you actually agree with Tammy Baldwin on something. It's a silly thing she does every year. She says it's not fair that folks in western Wisconsin can't watch, can't have the regular broadcast of the Packers games. And I I actually agree with her on that. I think if you live in a state that has an NFL or any professional football, baseball, basketball franchise, you should at least have the ability to watch it. Now, streaming has changed that reality. So I started to get into it with one of my friends. I'll, I'll leave his name out of the equation. You can find it on Twitter if you want to. And he's like, that's what she's worried about? I said, no, it's one little thing. Now, yeah. I'm not agreeing with Tammy Baldwin's policies, but I'm saying that when I agree. Are we at the point where if I say anything or we say anything or you say anything about the other side that's in the slightest bit complimentary? You unleash the wrath of Twitter, (laughs) unleash the (laughs) wrath of social media. That is a
2: great microcosm of the problem with our politics. We can't do that. And I think most of us around this table try not to do that, right? When we see, like in my case, a few weeks ago, as Brian Kemp, governor of Georgia, Republican, very conservative, stood up and said some things that I appreciated, I applaud that, right? When somebody like a Mike Gallagher comes out and says something I agree with, I try to lift that up because we cannot reduce this to your... You know, political opponent is your all-the-time enemy. Th- down that way lies disaster for this country, for the idea of this country. We have to stop it. We have to knock it off. And on this issue about football and where you can watch it, I refuse to believe that in the 21st century, there is not a technological solution begging to be discovered, okay? We've invented some crazy stuff that we don't need, like digital down dials on the football field. If we could figure that out, we can figure
0: it. Yeah, out. Yeah, it's actually more more to do with FCC and, and the protection of local stations. In this case, you're protecting the Twin Cities television market, which bleeds into Wisconsin. I would argue that have, should have nothing to do with this. What I'm
2: saying is I, I just refuse to believe that there's not a way that you can do both. Red zone. With some type of switcher. Or, right, like, even over-the-air stuff is transmitted differently than it used to be. There's a way where that station ought to be able to have, like, two feeds at the same time. Don't
1: tell me this is technologically impossible. So today's society is all about victimhood. I'm a victim of this, right? I grew up in Superior, Wisconsin, so we got the Minnesota Vikings every game every Sunday. The only time we got the Green Bay Packers was when they played the Minnesota Vikings. Or if they played on Monday Night Football, right. which, if you look it up in the 70s, might have happened three times. <laughs> right? So, uh, the dirty little secret about Bill McCashen is he grew up a Viking fan. Oh, oh hold on. no wonder he didn't run for governor. Because my mom dated Bud Grant in high school, but also in the stuff he's dropping on the show. Your mom dated Bud Grant? She did. Bud's from Superior. He was one of my grab bags when he passed away. Charlie, make a note of that. We've got to put that on one of our social media posts. Given the op-ed to you know whomever wants to use it against me, my <laughs> wife converted me and I've been a season ticket holder for the Packers now God bless for twenty five years. What a woman! Yeah, maybe yes. longer. And I'll be there Sunday and I'll be there next. I'll be there night. Sunday
0: too. We should get together.
1: So it, you know there is technology today where you can get whatever game you want and it's fairly simple. Uh, so you know I don't know that this is a pressing issue necessarily. No, no, no. But it's good politics for Tammy Baldwin.
0: Yeah, let me just put a little ribbon on this. So The point that I was trying to argue with my friend on Twitter is. Where was all of this bombastic energy when you know all the crazy post-election nonsense was happening? How about a few Republicans having the uh, cojones? I, I, yes, is that a I, I was editing my <laughs> back, yeah, backbone. Thank you, Sandy Max, spine to say something in the midst of chaos, and yet there's still silence. And now we're circulating petitions for the impeachment of another official. It's like, come on, people!
2: It's 2023, and there get are, over there it. are elected Republicans who are still arguing over the last election. I don't I don't get it.
1: I don't get it. I don't either. It's time to move on. Elections are about the future, not the past.
0: It's been time. Let's get to break. <laughs> WTMJ Now. We are joined in studio as we are most Fridays by Joseph Pecky, Democratic strategist, Bill McCosh on the Republican side, Sandy Max and Steve, WTMJ Now. Political power hour, the best hour of political conversation in Wisconsin. And beyond, since I know a lot of you are not listening in Wisconsin today. Um, we got, we can't do a show without talking about redistricting, where that goes, recusals, the conversation, uh, Megan Wolf a target. Let, let's just chew over some of those
1: latest details, Bill. A couple weeks ago, Sandy and Joe and I and Toya spoke about, you know, the, how could we de-escalate what was going on on this issue of impeachment for Janet Protasiewicz. And I, I said the best way to de-escalate would be for her to recuse herself on the redistricting case. I think there's plenty of uh, reasons for that to happen. And I wasn't sure there was another path until last week Speaker Robin Voss uh, sort of Uh, triangulated Democrats and brought back the Iowa model, which it's a nonpartisan redistricting plan that Iowa has used since 1980. Democrats have supported this since 2003. If you read today's Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, you will see that the plan that Robin Voss brought forward is nearly, not exactly, but nearly identical to the Iowa model. Uh, And he had six urban Democrats voting for amendments during the course of the night. Now, at the end of the day, this is sort of three parts. It's part policy, part politics, and part math. But the, the policy was genius on Robin Voss's part. said, okay, uh, I'll pull impeachment back, not totally take it off the table, but I'm going to go forward with your plan for Iowa redistricting. Okay? Smart policy. The politics are great. Gives all of his members a vote on nonpartisan redistricting. But then the math becomes really important, and that's why having a long-form show like this is helpful. This has to be... Veto proof. Right. Because if Tony Evers sticks to his current guns and says, I'm going to veto this plan, if it passes the state Senate, Robin Voss needs to have two thirds of his of the people present on the floor to override the governor. Can he make that a reality? He did make it a reality. The night this passed, two Democrats chose not to go back on the floor. So if they're not there, the math changes instantly. So Robin Voss, the night this happened had a two-thirds majority. It's a certainty this would get overridden in the Senate. By the way, I think Lena Taylor will, will vote for this plan, so they'll have 23 votes in the state Senate. So the question is, do those urban Democrats from Milwaukee do this same thing when it comes to overriding the governor's veto? And I think there's a real possibility that happens. Why do I say that? These same Democrats voted against the governor's People's Maps Commission maps which impacted minority districts more than anybody else. So I think Lena Taylor was in the assembly that night whipping votes. I think there's a real possibility that this could happen over the objection of Democrats, including the governor, but it shouldn't have to, Joe. This is a win for you guys. Take the win. How many times do I have to call these tw- these
2: treats that's, that Sandy brought us cupcakes, even though they're cookies, before they become cupcakes? The problem with what Bill just said is this is not an Iowa model of redistricting. Democrats and Republicans from Iowa have come forward and said, we take our redistricting seriously. Do not diminish our way of doing this by calling this sham, right, which is not the Iowa model, the Iowa model. Nevertheless, Speaker Voss and his friends persist. I'm going to try to do this really quickly. The problem with the proposal put forward by Speaker Voss, which, by the way, if it was so brilliant and genius, why didn't he have a single Republican from the state Senate standing alongside them? Why didn't he have these Democrats? Why didn't he do it in a bipartisan both houses way? Right. The problem is the politicians get to be involved too soon and have too much power. What like this is not about the name of what you call it, what Democrats are fighting for is for politicians to be removed from the process so they are not choosing their voters. The
1: people are choosing who represents them. Let's fast forward a a few
0: months. What's going to happen here?
1: Recusals, impeachments. I think there'll be a hearing in the Senate on the plan. Will there be another tweak or two? I can't say for sure. Uh, There were some other Democratic uh, amendments that didn't make it through the process uh, in the Assembly. So we'll see. And if there are any changes, it would have to go back to the assembly for concurrence is what it's called. But there will be an Iowa style map model that makes it to the governor's desk. And then it'll be up to him. He campaigned on this in 2018. He campaigned on it again in 2022. Does he walk away from that because they're not identical? Don't take my word for it. Look at the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel today. If you follow me on Twitter at Bill McCashen, you will see. I quoted the money line in the story, which is experts looking at at this saying These are nearly identical to plans Democrats have had in the past.
0: Here's Bill McCausch and Joseph Pecky. The Grab Bag, the final segment of the Political Power Hour right here on WTMJ Now. Coming up next. Where does the time go, the Political Power Hour? We always wrap up the Grab Bag. I had an idea, though, before we get to that. Let me just throw it at you over the air live. What do you think about doing the whole show on a Friday? All three of us. And and Sandy Ford. (laughs) I'm thinking thinking old school. Thanks. Can we talk about things other than politics? Do I get to come and bring cookies? The the next two hours would be other things, like we do on a regular basis. So, Sandy, Steve, job culture. Three hours of this.
2: I'd be open to it. I mean, maybe not every week. That might be a I'm not saying every week. I'm saying once. We don't want to, like give the people too much.
0: Yeah, right? Uh, Always want more. more. Yeah. So there's too much Joe Zapecki, Possible. It's possible. It <laughs> yeah. is possible. Hey, in the text line, I know that's true. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> they, a lot of people mention your eye gestures, your eye movements on the show today. So whatever you were doing, Oh, there's with your a eye.
1: famous gif really? of me
2: rolling my eyes in a TV appearance I did on a local station. It's a really bad look, but it's a really funny gift. You missed
1: it. Joe got a shout out on the street. Somebody recognized his voice. He- I did. I was on the phone walking down the street and a guy from Hey, I love you
2: the show recognize your voice yeah,
1: that's you know you have made it in radio <laughs> when people right. recognize your voice all right who wants to go first grab bag i'll take first um my grab bag this week is the jordan love and the green bay packers jordan love is uh ranked fourth in the nfl for quarterbacks uh after two games that just certainly doesn't make a career uh but he's get that bus six, ready and six baby. touchdown passes zero interceptions we are finally back at Lambeau Field this Sunday. I'll be there. I know you will be, Steve, as well. And we'll get to enjoy a multifaceted development. Town Tech it has winter activities, including a sledding hill mm-hmm. and an ice skating rink to summer activities. They have created a destination where people want to be year-round and found a way to monetize an unbelievably iconic facility and AmFam Field could be the same way. No so. to the brewers. No to the it brewers. It can be
0: done, because that didn't exist before. It was kind of a ramshackle collection of it was different bunch businesses. Of,
1: yeah, garbage old houses or, or yeah. crummy uh, outlet malls kind of thing. Yeah, think, it's awesome now. Think, think big. Think of the future. Think big. All right,
2: Joe. Uh, this is a little bit about politics, but I think it's bigger than that. Stop paying so much attention to polls. I am here to tell you. I'm here to declare the polling industry has still not figured it out. Bill didn't know I was going to say this, but I bet he's going to agree with me. In the last week, we've seen national polls that show a 50-50 race between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. We've also seen a New Hampshire poll that shows Joe Biden at 52 and Donald Trump at 40. Both of those things cannot be true, can right. they poll, right? it Like one of them is dead wrong. Right. And so – what we mean by that is like new hampshire is too competitive a state it's too swingy a state for a tied race nationally so one way or the other whichever way it is we have not figured out in the new modern environment with our scrambled politics how to poll please pay less attention to the polls and who you think is winning and who you think is up and pay a lot more attention to who should be representing you and who you want to represent you as opposed to making it like a sports score, who's up, who's down, who's winning, who's losing. That's not what this is. Here, here.
0: I I believe I made that point with my Nikki Haley endorsement earlier, (laughs) that very thing, because I know who's leading in the polls, so to speak, but... Do you, you, you believe the polls? Do you believe the polls? Don't believe the polls. Do you believe the polls bill? I don't.
1: Yeah. I Me neither. There's Me just either. something they still have. Let's not forget it in New Hampshire, uh General Bulldog was winning heading into the final <laughs> right. weekend. He didn't come close to winning <laughs> yeah, in the yeah. Senate seat there. Which which do you think is more likely to be true?
2: Biden up 12 in New Hampshire or tied nationally? Uh Biden up 12 in New Hampshire. Cuz the other part of this is like try to look at signal not noise. There've been 31 special elections in the last like year and a half since the midterms. Democrats have overperformed in 26 of those 30. Election results say more than polls do. And Republicans have
0: shown no sign to want to actually try to break that trend up, at least by their actions. You guys are trying. By their actions.
2: Uh, and I, We're and trying. We two weeks. I'll do you a favor. I'll never say anything nice about Nikki Haley. I don't want to give her, I don't want to give her the kiss of death. <laughs> yeah. Like McCashan. Oh, I see what you Give the a mayor. bear hug. All right. yeah. We got to go. <laughs>
0: Joseph Pecky, Bill Makash, Political Power Hour. We'll do it again next Friday. Thanks to you.